Hey everyone, welcome to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast, a podcast dedicated towards helping you stay healthy so you can stay on the golf course and not in the clubhouse. We will be covering all things golf, from fitness, performance, injury recovery, instruction, and everything else in between. I am your host, Dr. Russ Manalastis. I am a board-certified sports physical therapist and strength coach based out of Rochester, New York. Our goal with this podcast is to help you play your best golf yet while doing so without limitations. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Russ. Today, we are joined by Sean Lally. Sean is the Nazareth College head coach of both the men's and women's golf teams. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Russ. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a, a, a talk with you. you know, so maybe, Sean, what you can do for the listeners is kind of just tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, tell us kind of where you went to school, what you went to school for, and ultimately your journey kind of, you know, becoming the head coach at Nazareth College of both the men's and golf and women's golf team. Sure, you bet. It's kind of a, a long and winding journey, so <laughs> bear with me. Sure. But, you know, probably like a lot of people, grew up playing a lot of different sports, loved to compete, loved athletics in general. Ended up playing baseball for uh, Wayne State University in Michigan. Graduated the degree in history. Okay. And after college, I actually started working at a golf course and uh, just fell in love with the game. Really enjoyed it. Love, love kind of the inherent challenge of the game. Sure. You know, and they, uh, they were great to me there. Able to hit, you know, all the golf balls I want. So I really kind of dove deep and right. had a blast with it. And, you know, from there, as I, as I kind of got into it, became a PGA professional. I worked in this area as an assistant at the Country Club of Rochester and Monroe Golf Club nice. before becoming a head professional at Country Club of Ithaca you know, have a lot of great memories and made a lot of great friends on the golf course and um, came back to the area from Ithaca and uh, started working at Menden Golf Club. And at right around that time, I, I um, you know, I was teaching a lot and, you know, I love that aspect of it, of the golf industry. I always felt, you know, as a PGA professional, big part of what we do is promoting the game and, and getting people to enjoy the game more. Sure, yeah. And I, I found for me anyway, the most direct way that I could do that and is to help people play better from an instruction standpoint, coaching standpoint. So kind of that's where that grew out of. And I always kind of gravitated towards that sides of things, side of the industry, uh, teaching and playing. And the opportunity at Nazareth College came up in uh, 2014 to coach their women's team and I really sought out that opportunity and I've been there ever since and I coach both the men and the women's team you know I find it uh, it's it's endlessly kind of fascinating from the standpoint of trying to get people to compete and to learn and to improve and I find it incredibly rewarding and and rejuvenating every day yeah you know, I think, you know, working with collegiate golfers, you know, it, it can pose this challenge, I'm sure, which we'll kind of discuss. But, you know, I think the drive is there. And I think you, you, your ability to enhance that and, and also ultimately increase their ability to perform at a high level, you know, to, to either play either at college or even you know, beyond college. I think that's a, a huge aspect, like you talked about, of the industry that, you know, I think a lot of times when you look at the golf industry, there's a lot of different aspects of it, Right. But I think the important part is if you can get people to really enjoy the game and really love the game, then uh, that comes out when they're playing and performing at even whatever level they're kind of playing at. I totally agree. That's an, a kind of an interesting segue. Like one of the things 
when I meet with prospective student athletes and their families, you know, one of the, the first questions I ask is, you know, what do they, what do they enjoy most about the game? Because yeah. I think that's really critical. You know, that passion or love of the game is really important because, you know, it's a hard game. Yeah. It can be challenging. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of understand kind of the, you know, why you play, you know, what, and so when those times when you're on the golf course and it is challenging yeah. and practice can be, can be difficult because we're learning new things and stuff like that to remember, like, I, I do like this. And that's, yeah. you know, I think that's important to understand that. So I always ask that. I like to find out, you know, why, you know, why they play, yeah. what's their favorite thing about the game. Additionally, I, I ask them, are they competitive? You know, are they competitive in general? I think that's really important. You know, it's that kind of willingness to try. Yeah. And not that we're going to play our best each and every day uh, because it's golf and there's an kind of inherent challenges with the game as well, sure. but that we're going to kind of show up and try our best each time that's in practice in tournaments and things like that to really get the most of our capabilities that particular day. Sure. Because it, it comes down to one shot, you know, yeah. and you know, and I think that's important to understand. And there's a lot that goes into playing good golf from, you know, the physical, the technical, the mental, the emotional, the social, yeah. you know, like the spirit of the game, like the love of the game. And that all kind of goes into your performance. And I think that's those kind of things are, they're all different avenues that you can explore to try to help with that performance. And I think that's an important part because performance can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? It, it, it doesn't just have to be the physical aspects of it. It can be the mental part. It can be the psychological part. It can be the social part. And I think, you know, how you can communicate that to your athletes so that you can enhance their ability to really kind of understand why they're playing golf. I think that's a big key there. And we're, we're big people of understanding the why, right? We want to know why we're mm -hmm. doing things, right? And, you know, unfortunately, you know, when kids are playing sports, especially if they've been playing at a young age, you know, maybe it's not because they love the sport, maybe because mom and dad wants them to play, or maybe because they just feel like, you know, this is just what they need to do, right? But I think your, your questions are really, really important that, hey, why are you doing this? Do you really love the game or are you doing it just because someone else wants you to do it or, you know, someone's living vicariously through you, right? So because they didn't get the opportunity to do it. So you know, I think that becomes apparent, and especially too, like you said, during practice, sometimes it can be challenging. If you don't in really enjoy the game and really <laughs> love it, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be apparent, I think, at that point in time. Right, Coach? I, I totally agree. I mean, it's very noticeable. It's looking for a certain mindset that comes along with that. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's really that mindset of, of a willingness to kind of dive into the process of improving yeah. and all that entails from working out correctly and all the all things like that. I think it's just that kind of openness to the process of improvement that is is what we're after. Absolutely. Um and I think that that there's you know there's so many metaphors for golf and life and stuff like that but I right. think that certainly that that mindset translates. Yeah. And what you know what I'm looking for and what I try to you know build with our program and stuff is that sense of balance you know with school with with golf and with, with everything else, yeah. because sometimes when things are out of balance, you know, the, the overall performance is affected, Absolutely. not only on the course, but more importantly in the classroom. Right. 
you know, I think that kind of balance is important, but it also ties in, you know, when you circle back and like, you know, what do you most enjoy about the game? The challenge of it should be, in my opinion, it should be a, a fun endeavor. And, you know, I, I, I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times athletes are always looking for the end result, but they don't, they don't really love the process of getting through that. Right. And, you know, you know, having an end result is great, but you really need to enjoy the process because like you said, golf, there's a lot of nuances with golf and there's a lot of different skill things that you can do in the sport. And, you know, I think if, if they don't enjoy that aspect of it and they're maybe trying to rush the process, then maybe the result that they're going to get isn't maybe of what they're expecting. So it's, it's a critical aspect that I think a lot of times us as coaches or maybe even medical providers, we need to understand, Hey, what are your goals, right? What are your goals? What do you want out of this? What, what, what type of experience do you want out of this so that we can best enhance that? Yes. That word process. That's a, that's amazing that you mentioned that we, uh, a couple of years ago, we were, we were able to, uh, bring in former tour professional Nick O'Hearn and he spent a couple days with our team and he was, he was great. And um, he just kind of ran us through his processes as he prepares and how he practices and things like that. And it was really eye opening to see somebody, you know, at a real high level, I think he got to rank 14th or 15th in the world at one time. And he beat Tiger Woods a couple times in match play. So just a, a great player and it was very relatable for us right you know he's he when he played you know he didn't hit the ball you know 340 yards in the air and things like that so it was very relatable to us and how he played the game and how he saw the game and his process and he spoke a lot about that and I think that was really revealing for for not only myself but players as well because we speak about process quite a bit and and things that we do day in and day out with, with practice and, you know, preparing for tournaments and, yeah. and the process that you go into even to pre- prepare for classes right. academically. Right. So it was a great experience. And uh, we love that, that phrase, you know, just yeah. kind of get into the process, Absolutely. enjoy the process. Yeah, no question. So coach, maybe kind of give us a breakdown of maybe what a, a typical season looks like for your golf athletes. You know, if you're, maybe open to kind of discussing just the specifics of, you know, how many matches you're playing per week, you know, what a typical week looks like for your athletes in terms of practice, training, going to school. You know, there's a lot of things like you talked about balancing. sounds like you're juggling a lot of different things during the season. So maybe could, if you could speak about just kind of what you kind of go through and what your athletes go through on a week to week basis, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, You know, part of the, I guess part of the journey also is, you know, we we speak about the process of improving as for the players, but that's also for the coaches as well. Sure. And so I'm kind of reflective in nature as, you know, after practices and things like that, things, what can we do better? Sure. So it's, we're evolving and to try to make our our programs better and, and better suited for the student athletes, you know, so they change and they've evolved over time. Um, and so we've added things and we've kind of taken some things away, you know, a typical week this, this past fall, this spring, I would say was not typical, but this past fall, we had three practices a week and we had an optional day built in there as well. And so 
part of that, the team practices was really important because, you know, we're, we're limited by the number of weeks that we can play in practice as well by the NCAA. Sure. But understanding the balance that goes into everything, you know, the reason why you are at school and things like that, like, sure. and kind of in the end, you know, our biggest commodity is time and trying to maximize, maximize that time for the players. Yeah. Uh, so we've changed the, the, the practice programs a little bit. And so we're, we have three practices and everybody's kind of required to pre- come to those practices. And when we're on the golf course, we're there for a little bit longer time just because of the nature of the sport. Right. Typically our practices are in the two and a half hour range and we have great access to facilities where depending on a person's schedule, um, the student athletes might practice on their own or, you know, they might meet a coach over at the facility to, to practice with them as well. Right. And, you know, when we, we play in our tournaments, we play in the fall and the spring here in the Northeast. As you know, the golf weather is, it's, our season is shorter sure. overall, <laughs> but um, we play in the fall and we typically have uh, four to six tournaments in the fall and then uh, four tournaments in the spring. You know, we try to maximize that time during the good weather for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we've done in the past couple of years to try to help with that, you know, that physical component in our kind of our performance spectrum, we've started training protocols for the, for the team with trainers, strength training, golf specific type training. Nice. Um, we do assessments for each player and you're probably familiar with the TPI assessments. So we run through those to kind of get some baseline information for the players. Everybody on the team goes through it. And then um, this past spring, although it was uh, not a normal spring season, we started incorporating um, uh, team training, strength training twice a week. And, you know, not only to improve our overall, you know, mobility and flexibility and strength with our, our golf games, but also to kind of keep our energy levels uh, throughout the entire semester. Um, so that's been really well received. We started it last year and the team has been, been terrific about it. They really enjoy it. They can see the benefits on the course as well. Sure. You know, hitting the ball a little bit further, a little bit more consistency, consistently, um, you know, it's, those are all good things. And then, um, you know, it helps performance. We can move a little better. We we have, you know, good energy levels when we're playing and things like that. And then just overall health and well-being is always good. But, you know, as a, you know, as a teacher as well, you know, it's really revealing when you see, you know, everybody's a little bit different and they move differently. They have different range of motions and things like that. And that kind of all goes into how they, they move that club, right. how they play. So that's really important for me to know. So that's been extremely helpful as well. So it's been something we've added onto the program and it's been, it's been terrific and hope to continue more along those lines. So coach, will those strength training sessions be on the same day of players practicing or are they on uh, off days when they're on the course? How does, how is that set up? Yeah. So this spring we had the entire semester planned out and what we did, they were on different days. Okay. We did it. If I recall, we were Tuesdays, Thursdays for our strength training, and then practice was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Perfect. And we're very fortunate, as you know, at, at Nazareth, we've got a brand new facility with the yeah. Galasano Training Center. Yeah. And we utilized that. We started practice in February, and we were indoors, and the space was, was awesome. You know, as a golf coach, like, we could be really creative to some of the things that we did where we didn't have that opportunity before. 
Right. So it was great to kind of kick off the, the spring before everything shut down and sure. we had an opportunity like we hadn't had before to get a lot of practice in, a lot of swings and kind of couple that with the strength training. And, you know, after a week and a half or so, you could, players were commenting how they felt and, and things like that. And it was, it was great. Yeah. So it was really enjoyable. And hopefully, you know, we have that opportunity going forward as well. And the players now, as we start to develop, you know, different programs and different kind of drills and exercises that we can, we can use indoors to take advantage of that, the field house, the space yeah. that's in there. Okay. They'll be able to utilize that space on their own um, and things like that in the off season. So it's really exciting for me because it's just another layer, contextual layer that we can build upon. You know, we can still, there's a lot that you can do and you don't always have to be, you know, on the golf course. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Being on the golf course is wonderful, right? but there's, a, there's more that goes into it. And especially when we're, you know, when we, we have, you know, that commodity of time that is so limited. And so we can really kind of maximize things there. Absolutely. And, you know, so a lot of our golf athletes that come into our office or our cobblestone where our satellite office is, you know, we go, we take them through our TPI assessment and, you know, we'll kind of take a look and see where are, what's the low hanging fruit? What can we do to enhance certain qualities of movement? Because, you know, we always kind of tell a lot of our golfers, your body is the best investment you can make, right? You know, as much as you want to, you know, have the next best thing in terms of new technology and new clubs, you know, your body still needs to be able to move in certain positions in order for you kind of to deliver to the club properly. So, you know, we always kind of look at, you know, what can we do to enhance performance from a physical standpoint so that, again, it'll translate well to the golf course for sure. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's really important, you know, kind of making the, the, the value judgment. Once you've kind of find out some information about the student athlete, about their deficiencies, you know, do you kind of work around those in the swing or do you try to, you know, kind of minimize or fix them? Right. And, and that being said, you can, you can, you can play great golf either way. Right. And I, I think you see like uh, even at the tour level, right. You know, they're kind of all dealing with the same things as well. The same mobility, flexibility and strength things. And you see a player like Rory McIlroy, who, right. you know, his physical fitness program is, you know, it's, it's, it's really helped him kind of propel his career. Not only, you know, he's super talented individual, obviously, sure. but it allows him to, to practice more longer, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, when you look at, like you had mentioned, you know, when, if someone's got, let's say, a physical limitation that, you know, is based on their own anatomy, because, again, everyone's different, right? And I think if we try and make everyone the same, then we're doing them a disservice, right? You look at all the tour players, and everyone swings differently. Everyone is shaped differently. Everyone has, you know, all sorts of different qualities that can be really, really good for them. Um, or some things they need to kind of work around. And I think that's the important part is the coach, you know, whether you're a golf coach or maybe even just a strength coach or a physical therapist, you know, understanding your athlete, knowing what they can do physically, but also knowing what the limitations are from, let's say, an anatomy standpoint or just a physical limitation standpoint. Those are crucial to be able to understand how best you can maximize their ability to get, a, get, to get the most out of their game. Totally agree. I think that's, uh, that's really the fun part for me is getting right. to know you know, the student athletes, as you mentioned, you know, everybody's different. They're all unique. Yeah. And getting to know them as individuals is, is kind of the heart of things to help with their performance levels, you know, to help them grow and develop and, you know, not only 
on the golf course, but in the classroom, sure. you know, as human beings. And yeah, that's the really re- rewarding part. That's awesome. So coach, tell me, you know, how do you go about, you know, I'm sure a lot of the, the golfers that kind of come through your program, I'm sure at some point in time, they've, they've worked with a, string, a swing coach or their own instructor. Like, how do you go about maybe communicating or collaborating with some of those coaches and figuring out how best to, you know, enhance their experience, not only at the collegiate level, but also still be able to kind of maintain the relationship they have with, the, let's say, uh, an instructor? That's a good question. The, um, uh, fortunately, I've, I've been in the golf industry, you know, for over 20 years now. And um, I've got a lot of contacts and networks. And, you know, I think it's important to have an open line of communication with the player and, and their coach to kind of understand the direction that they're going or they're trying to go, their game. And, you know, and what I want to do is not undermine what, what their coach would be doing, but compliment and, yeah. and try to build upon. Sure. And, you know, if they're working on, on a certain thing and it, and they're seeing performance benefits with that, then I want to do all I can to complement that. And, yeah. you know, I'll, a lot of times, to, you know, just reach out to the coach and speak to them directly. And, and also it, it, it gives a little bit more insight into, into the individual as well. So it, that's kind of the, the role I see there with players that do have their own coaches and, and things like that. And just keeping the lines of communication open between the coach, their personal coach, player and myself so that we can complement each other because uh what i'm seeing you know is kind of the end result in a way but what's happening on the golf course in tournaments is kind of what we're what we're looking to see and then you know i can provide feedback to the to their personal coach their instructor you know what i'm seeing on the golf course and what what they're doing and so it's it's kind of collaborative for the most part and I think, you know, having that open line of communication, again, again, like you said, the end result is the performance of the athlete, right? You guys are both trying to help figure out how best to maximize the performance of the, the collegiate athlete there. So, you know, having that open line of communication, saying, hey, listen, I see this one day, and then maybe, you know, on the, on the flip side, maybe the instructor says, hey, listen, he's doing this X, Y, or Z. I think that can go a long way in figuring out how best to make sure when they're on the course and managing the course, you kind of figure out different nuances that can only enhance what the golf wants to do on the course. Yeah. Because I think, you know, everybody wants that player to be successful Yeah, and that's, that's what we're after. So we're working towards the same end goal and we just, you know, it's good to, you know, it's good to see like they're seeing them in a different environment, you know, where they're maybe at their home course or whatever the case may be. And then I'm, I'm seeing them in, and an environment where they've got different pressures, social academic pressures and schedules and things like that. And, and kind of how those things that they're working on are translating on the golf course in college. Yeah. So let, let's kind of, maybe this is a good segue, you know, what are, what are some things that you see uh, some of your collegiate golfers struggle with the most coach? I mean, are, is there something that, you know, they, that you see, um, whether it's a time management standpoint, what is something that you think uh, you see the number one thing most golfers struggle with at the collegiate level? You know, that's everybody's different. And that's kind of the, the fun thing about it, as I mentioned. But I, I look at, I've got three kind of overarching essential golf skills, ball control, self-management, and decision-making. And they're all kind of intertwined for tournament players and one affects the other. So 
we kind of look at those categories and then you can break them down even further, you know, in short game, long game areas and things like that. I think a big part of that, the self-management piece for certain players is the expectation management. Once, once they arrive in college, they're typically playing longer golf courses than they did in high school on a regular basis. So it's kind of adjusting to that as well and understanding also, you know, what actually is a good shot, you know, and what, what qualifies as a good shot where it's, there's recently, I just saw some stats from one of the people I follow online and he recorded, you know, the stats of like the top 40 money earners from an extended time period of their scores on part threes, part fours, and part fives in majors and non-majors. And it was really revealing to see what they were. And, you know, that, so our expectation management is a big part of it, you know, and understanding that, you know, learning to play the game, what might be a good shot, you know, you might hit the ball 300 yards down the fairway and it might roll into an old divot. And so now that changes the shot at hand. And so now it changes kind of the parameters of that shot. Instead of maybe taking a, a certain line towards a hole, you might have to change that based on those circumstances. Right. And so a big part of it's trying to understand for players, you know, getting to perceive all those different kind of variables with the game. You know, everybody that we, we see, you know, a big buzzword is consistency. Oh, you know, coach, I want to play more consistently. I want to hit the ball more consistently. And when everything from shot to shot is different, even if you play the same course, you know, over and over. So what you become is a master of variability and understanding, you know, how that, you know, the club interacts with the turf and creates those different variables. And as, as players progress in the game, just understanding, you know, how they, you know, kind of perceive and do, and do things when they're kind of absorbing all those, the different information on the golf course, you know, to kind of find that outcome that they're looking for. And then also, you know, understanding like a big part of it, like what is a good shot? You know, you look at the proximity averages on tour, you know, from 150 yards and it's, it's a lot, a lot higher than you think. And, and just understanding that it's okay to hit it in this area or that area. And that's, that's, you know, playing the game. And a phrase that a lot of, um, that I use a lot of times with players is, you know, there's hitting the ball and there's playing the game. And they're not the same thing. And so hitting the ball is kind of the easy part. Getting it to stop where we want it to stop, that's the challenge of the game. Right. And kind of assessing all those different variables while we're playing. And I think that's kind of the, the, the biggest part that, you know, that when players come into college is uh, just enhancing. They're already, you know, they're already talented. They already have, you know, a high degree of athleticism. It's getting to understand the game at a deeper level. Yeah. And all that goes into playing good golf because you don't have to hit the ball. Great to score. Well, right. You know, we've probably, you know, I'm sure you've had had days and even, you know, stretches of hole where, you know, it's, it's fairways and greens all day long and you're hitting the ball. Great. And it feels that way. And then you walk away, you don't feel like you've scored as well as you should have. Right. And then you've probably on the other side, you've probably had days where, you know, it feels like you're hitting the ball over the place and you're scrambling well and you're scoring well. And you know, the, the outcome, the overall score is better. Right. So it, it's things like that. So there's hitting the ball and there's playing the game and they're not the same thing. 
Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a great, that's a great statement. Cause like you talked about, there are, there are going to be days where you're, you feel like you're on, but maybe you're not scoring as well as you should. And then there's days where you feel like you're not hitting the ball or striking the ball well, and then your score reveals a different story. So, you know, I think it's one of those things where, like you said, you know, hitting the ball and playing the game are completely different things is how you kind of mesh both of those together to kind of come to a, a little bit more of a consistent way to play the, the, the sport of golf. Agree. You got to play the game. Right. So, Coach, let's do this. Let's transition to our what's in the bag segment. So we always like to kind of hear what our, our guests are <laughs> swinging in the bag. So give us an idea as to what clubs you're currently using. Well, I, uh, I work for Titleist. I'm a staff member with Titleist. So uh, I've got a full bag of Titleist clubs from driver all the way down. And I've been on staff with Titleist since uh, 2002. Right. So I'm a proud ambassador for Titleist. That's great. Have you invested in their new, their new like drivers? Have you gone the TS2 routes? You still on the 900 series? Where are you at there? Yes. As a matter of fact, I've got the, uh, do you want all the? Yeah, the let's do specs. specs. Go okay. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right. So I've got a TS3 driver, 10 and a half with a graphite design, ADI, 6X, standard length, but I've got an extra four grams in the head. So I like to feel the head weight a little bit more. Sure. I've got, uh, I'm kind of at the top end of the bag. It, it kind of goes in and out a little bit depending on the course, but okay. TS3 fairway wood, same shaft, just a little bit heavier. You got a seven X in there in the graphite design. And what loft um, is it coach? And then that's a 16 and a half. Okay. Yeah. 16 and a half TS3. Okay. Again, a little extra weight in the head. And then, uh, I've got the TS hybrid as well. The, Again, with a graphite design, Tour AD Daft 85X. That one's a 21 degree and nice. um, just love that. Yeah. It's, it's my Mr. Versatile Club. I <laughs> right, tip with right. it. I play it off <laughs> everything, a little bit of everything. <laughs> right. And then for irons, I've got really trying to take advantage of the technology, some of the new clubs. So I've got a, a mix set. I have a four and five iron in the T200 okay. line with KBS Tour S plus shafts. I've got them set at standard lie, but a quarter inch extra in length. Okay. And the four iron kind of goes in and out of the bag, kind of depending on, because the hybrid I've I've found, I hit more good shots more often with that. Yeah. And I just find it more versatile for me. And then I've got a five iron in the T200 as well. And then six through pitch in the T100. Nice. And... I've got SM8 Vokies and a 50, 54, 58. And um, I've got an F grind in the 50, a D grind in the 54, and a K grind in the 58. Nice. That's great. Yes. And I've got an arsenal of Scotty Camerons. And so I put an old one in the bag. It's a little <laughs> bit lighter, which, which I liked. And um, rolled the ball pretty good today. So Yeah. yeah. That's great. Growing up, you know, I'd play with my father. And he wasn't a great golfer, but he was a great athlete and he was really enthusiastic about the game. He just loved yeah. it. And, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're playing and, you know, when you're a kid, if you find more balls than you lose, then, you know, you'd keep score that way. Right, right. Um, so it was my father, you know, he'd kind of hit the ball all over the place. You hit it really long and, and stuff and he'd hit it all over and he would just always play the hole out no matter what. Sure. And that was a great lesson for me. Kind of know you'd see him off in the trees in the woods and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, 
But then when he got to the hole, you know, he would always have to make the putt and he would kind of pick it out and he would say, oh, I just love to hear that sound right. of the ball kind of rattling around in the cup. Yeah. So that was a great lesson for me, you know, as well, kind of growing up. But then when um, he had an old ping answer and wow. he would scoop it up backwards. And I just thought that was the, the ball. He would scoop the ball up backwards. And I thought that was the coolest thing. <laughs> right. So that's how I chose the putter that I wanted to use. That's I perfect. Wanted to, that's and perfect. So it's, you know, it's a, that, uh, that same kind of style, that Anzer style, yeah. Newport style has stayed with me. Well, it's funny. Then. You know, I've got, you know, I've got three young kids and my, my seven, five-year-old think it's phenomenal when you scoop the ball up and you can kind of throw it in I, the air and catch it. Like, there's something yep. about it that you, it's something <laughs> that you gravitate towards, you know? Right, right. Same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let's do our shotgun round. So, Coach, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you uh, a series of golf-related questions. You're going to try and answer them as fast as you can, okay? I'll try. All right. How about our favorite golfer for you? Roy McIlroy. Nice. How about our favorite golf brand uh, outside of Titleist? <laughs> <laughs> uh sun mountain speed carts okay nice all right how about a preferred drink or snack either while you're playing yourself or maybe while you're coaching peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and apples nice are you a water guy are you uh you know what kind of what kind of drink do you prefer usually water yeah sometimes sometimes g2 yeah I, I, like a low sugar drink yeah. or no perfect. sugar drink perfect how about a par three or par five? I like short par threes and long par fives. <laughs> I think those, well, well I, I think, you know, the, the strategy and the design of the shorter par threes, there's just some great ones out there. We play, our home course is around a uh, country club and they've, their six hole is a, is a nice, it, it might be 115, 120 yards down the hill. And you just have to hit a, a nice golf shot and right. be able to flight the ball correctly, you know, with a wedge or an iron. I, I, I think there's more, more inherent challenge to that than banging away with, you know, hitting a three wood into a par three. Right. And just, just the skillfulness. I like to see when players can kind of control the, yeah. control the ball. Right. Not that there doesn't take skill and, and stuff like that to hit it, you know, a three right. with 250 yards in the air. Right. But I like to see that control. Yeah. And with the, with the long par fives, I think it just brings in more strategy into a player's decision making. Yeah. Yeah. That to say, I, I, again, I usually have a tendency to gravitate towards par fives because par threes, even though they are super inviting, that flight control is something I always struggle with there. So no, I, would, <laughs> yes. I would prefer to kind of grip and rip yeah. and have to worry about looking at a par three where I know I should be on the green, but most times I'm not. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's not to throw another stat out to you out there, but because, well, I think they're revealing. I think you can certainly get lost in the numbers, but it's kind of how they speak to you. And as far as the expectation management piece, like, a three on a par three is a very, very good score. Right. You know, you're never going to get hurt making a three. Right. And, um, you know, there's one of the stats I recently saw was about the scoring average for the top 40 players on, on par threes, fours, and fives. And over an extended period of time, they were all slightly over par on par threes. Uh, and this is at the tour level. Sure. And so – a three is a good score. Yeah. Don't get twos are good. Twos are nice right. and they're easier right. to add, but yeah. 
three think, is, is always a good score. And I think, too, like setting that expectation, like, hey, listen, this is what, what we're seeing at the tour level. Like, don't beat yourself up if you get a par. Don't beat yourself up even if you get a bogey at one point in time. Like, be able to understand, hey, the expectation of the hole and how you manage it, they can go a long way and be able to, you know, move on from the hole depending if you don't get the outcome that you're looking for. I think that's a great point, too, because, um, you know, in, in college golf and – and everything you know it is a team sport yeah. you know you're adding up all your scores yeah. and even at the tour level you know you see a high percentage of of tournaments first place and not first place is one stroke right and they're playing 72 holes right so imagine where those that one stroke comes from and right. you know if you've you've hit it on the green to 15 feet it's a great it's a very good shot yeah you know you hit a putt and it it leaves the putter face you've hit it on the line you want, you start it where you want, at the speed you want, and then it hits a little imperfection halfway there and moves it off its line slightly. And now instead of being centered in the hole, now it's on the edge. Okay, so now it's outside the capture speed yeah. and, you know, it lips out. Okay, so there's one shot. Right. And that's kind of the um, – yeah. you did all the things that you can, can do, yeah. you know, but it didn't go in. Right. And it, it's kind of understanding that and dealing with that and accepting that, right. that reality that a lot of times, like the outcome, you know, you don't have necessarily control over the ultimate outcome. Yep. You do all those things in your process yep. to start the ball on the line you want at the speed you want. And, and that's it. Work out, right? That's, that's kind of, that's playing the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. How about a uh, cart or walk for you? Walk. Caddyshack or Happy Gilmore? I'm going to go Caddyshack on that one. Maybe it's just my group of friends, my generation. <laughs> There's more lines from Caddyshack that are spoken on the golf course during a round for me <laughs> than Happy Gilmore. Yeah. However, I will say we have used the Happy Gilmore swing in training. Yeah. It's a, it's a great speed development, great sequencing development movement. Absolutely. And so we've done that, and I think, it, I think it's quite good. Yeah. But I'm going to go Caddyshack. Perfect. Yeah. I definitely think it's a generational question. That's for sure. That's why we put it in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, how about a favorite golf memory for you, coach? Favorite golf memory would be uh, the first time I was able to go to the Masters, able to go with my father. That's awesome. Yes. It was a really special experience that, uh, you know, he got me started in the game. And, um, and so it was just, a, just a, a neat opportunity to go to such a unbelievable place you know in in the world of golf and to, to share that experience with him yeah that's great that's an amazing memory or right, how who's uh who's someone you maybe recommend we reach out to be a guest on the show you know our strength trainer that we've used the last couple of years his name is tim koikendall and he's excellent and we we use him he works with a couple other teams at nazareth nice. as well he's a good golfer himself Nice. You know, I, I actually just saw him yesterday. He's swinging the driver about 119. So he can move it pretty good. Sure, yeah. He's a good one. And another person that we've worked, to, worked with as well, Tim and, and this person worked together, uh, Ryan Steenberg, yeah. who's a yeah. professional long, long drive guy. And he cruises at about 148, 150 miles per yeah. hour with the, yeah. the driver. Yeah. And he got, he's, he helped us kind of get our strength training going with Nazareth and then right. Tim has taken over it and it's been seamless. So I'd recommend either one of those. Yeah. And I think it's a, they're great, especially um, kind of golf body connection. 
Really good. And I think, you know, we, we've been trying to get Ryan on. Ryan's schedule is kind of all over the place. You know, we've been trying to get Ryan on, and I'll reach out to Tim as well. I know of Tim. I, I've never personally met him, but I know of him, and I know he's, he's done some great things. So we'll, we'll try and reach out to both of them to see if we can get him on the show at some point in time. So, Coach, let's do this. Let's kind of uh, – let's finish up with some words of wisdom. You know, let's say for an athlete who's in high school or maybe a parent who thinks their kid has the ability to play golf at the collegiate level, you know, what would you say you look for when it comes to having a kid play on your team? I know we talked about – you know, your questions that you talk about why you're playing the game and why you love it. But, you know, what are some other things that you kind of look for with regards to whether or not maybe you want to bring someone on your, on your team? Well, number one uh, that I look for is that the number one thing that I look for is that they have an enjoyment or a passion or a love of the game of golf. Sure. You know, I think that's going to carry them through, you know, to all the challenges and that they're going to face. And we are going to face them. That's just part of life you know, that if they really enjoy the game, then all the other stuff kind of falls into place. Right. The second thing that I look for in is that they're competitive, that they have a competitive nature. You know, that translates both on and off the course as well. Not just competitive golf-wise, but, you know, that they want to, they'll do all that they can to compete to the best of their abilities that day. Because it does come down to one shot. Right. And... A five is better than a six right. on the scorecard, yeah. and that does matter. Yeah. And so, when we're building teams, and we're and, and you know, and, and culture is a big part of what we're trying to achieve with our program, the type of culture, team culture, and atmosphere. That competitiveness, you know, there's an inherent trust with your yes. teammates nope. that they're going to compete to the best of their ability. And if they come in with an 82 or a 72 you know that was, that was the best that they had that day. That's great. And so that's really important. Yeah. And the other thing that, that it all kind of t- ties in together is that they have a mindset and, that, and a willingness to kind of get into the process of improving. Yeah. Because we want them to be you know, better after their, their fourth year than their, their first year. Right. And that's kind of a lifelong thing as well. So if, if they're committed to, and they have that mindset, they're going to be searching for knowledge and searching for information. And they're going to be, you know, trying their best day in and day out, not only on the golf course, but in the classroom, yeah. because that's what they're there for as right. well. Right. You know, that's, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So those kind of, those, those three things that are, are what we're looking for, you know, for parents, you know, if they, if they enjoy it, I would just, just encourage them to play and enjoy the game. And one of the things that we do often, you know, uh, after a tournament round is we ask the players, you know, what was their, what was their favorite shot on the golf course? Uh, I'd like to hear their favorite shot. But another way, another times we phrase it differently where we say, what were three things that you did well today? Yeah. And so that's how we begin the conversations afterwards. Cause it's easy. The game, it's a tough game and it's easy to be critical of, of what we're doing and say, Oh, I did this wrong or that wrong. Yeah. Well, it's not really a right or wrong. Right. You know, it's more like how was your decision-making and things like that. Yeah. So when we kind of frame it that way, what are three things that you did well today? Oh, okay. Well, I, I this was good. Or, yeah. you know, I, I stay hydrated or, you know, my playing rhythm was good. It could be a lot of things. And then I hit the shot, whatever the hole was. And, you know, i like the way I flighted it. Right. All those things add up to it. And then you kind of get into the process of evaluating things a little bit more yeah. as well. I think, you know, to even regardless of what the outcome is, whether, like you said, whether you're shot an 82 or a 72, 
having that positive mindset of, hey, listen, what are some three good things you did, you know, so that you che- you kind of pre-frame it where we're talking about some of the good things that you did here, right? You know, like you said, the game is tough and you can focus on the negative all the time, but, you know, if you can kind of put it in their head that, hey, listen, these are the things that you worked on and you did really well, well with, that's incredible. And I think that gives them the opportunity to kind of move past some of the negative stuff that they did on the course so that they can, again, this, this game requires you to have a lot of short-term memory, right? And, you know, I think if you can do that, that can go a long way in, in allowing them to understand like, we, like, we've, like we've gone back to a lot of the times, the process. Because this game can be played for a very long time, not only just in four years of college, right? It can be played for, you know, the lifespan. So being able to enjoy it now in your collegiate time, but also then be able to still have that process continue after that, you know, that's, that's a really good quality at, at, at the end of the day. I agree. And part of that, that evaluation piece is acceptance. Yeah. And that's a big learning curve as well, where you could kind of phrase it as shot neutrality where, you know, it starts with an intention. You know, every shot that you play needs to start with an intention. And then right. the form and the function of your golf swing yep. is going to derive from that intention. Right. So that's a big part of what, what we try to teach players. Like, we need an intention on, like, what is our goal? Yeah. And then the motor patterns for what you're going to do are, you know, that's where they're, they're generated right. from that goal or that intention. Right. And... And then you kind of get into the process of that, of creating that intention. And, you know, cause you're trying to, every shot, as I mentioned, every shot's different. Right. There's a lot of variables with each right. shot. And then it's about acceptance. Yep. You know, the ball is not going to always go where we intend. Right. And so what do we do from there? Yeah. Okay. So in, in those moments when it doesn't go where we want it to go, it's kind of having the composure, you know, to make a good decision. You know, I might have to play in a different direction or, or something like, like that to, you know, to get the best outcome for that hole. Because right. again, you know, a five is better than a six or and things like that. And yeah. so I'm being composed and having that acceptance of where the ball goes, you know, because there is kind of a built-in kind of dispersion to these shots, yep. even at the highest levels right. and being aware of that. And then also not only accepting, you know, we always kind of think about the negative outcomes, but also what happens when we just made three birdies in a row, right? You know, can we manage ourselves to the point? Okay. So play the next shot yep. and make a good decision there and, and, and stuff like that. That's part of it as well. Yeah. So that, that acceptance, both the good and the bad that comes after, after the shot is part of the process as well. No question. That's great. So coach, we really appreciate your time. You know, for those who maybe want to learn more about what you're doing or maybe want to reach out, well, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way is probably email at uh, slally8 at nas.edu. We also have uh, Instagram page, Nazareth Golf, oh, awesome. Facebook page as well. Cool. So we're trying to, you know, put some information out there, you know, this summer and actually the spring and the summer, that's the players to take over the Instagram. And because uh, I'd like to, they're the program, you know, we want to do things to support them as well, sure. but I, I want people to get to know them yeah. and to see what they come up. So check out our Instagram. Cool. It's kind of fun. And um, yeah, that's those great. are probably the easiest ways. 
So what we'll do guys is uh, we'll, we'll put all the contact information in our show notes so you can reach out however you see fit. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for, for coming on again. We really appreciate your time. And listeners, thanks so much for listening to the Pain-Free Golf Accordance Podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening to this week's episode of the Pain-Free Golf Performance Podcast. If you enjoy the content of this show, we would love it if you would leave an iTunes review to help us grow and expand our ability to provide you with the golf information you are seeking. If you're listening to this show and are dealing with aches, pains, or issues from golf that haven't been resolved, or you're not exactly sure where to turn, then let us know how we can help. Whether you are local or not, you can work directly with us through our pain-free golf performance program, which is completely virtual and online. This program is customized to you and your goals of playing your best golf yet. We would assess how well you move to give us a baseline of what you can do, and then based on that assessment, come up with a training program best suited for you. We are offering a special podcast promotion, which gives you access to our program at a reduced rate. You can inquire by going to manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf. Again, mana is spelled M-A-N-A. So it's manaperformancetherapy.com forward slash pain-free golf and use the promo code podcast when inquiring so we can help you feel better and play better golf. Be sure to tune into next week's episode and we'll catch you then.